Hello and welcome. This is the Bits vs. Byte podcast. I'm your host, Amar Grigic, and today with me is uh, Job van der Voort. He is a co-founder at the Remote. Welcome, Job. Thanks. Thanks, Amar. Thanks for having me. No problem at all. Uh, could you tell me a little bit about your background and also how you got to start Remote? Yeah, um, I have a background in neuroscience. So I used to work as a scientist. Um, I left that after discovering Hacker News and realizing that Science is very slow, uh, and I'm quite an impatient person. So I, I founded a startup, ran out of money really quickly, and uh, subsequently uh, worked as a programmer for, for, for a few months. And after that, I joined GitLab, um, stayed with GitLab for about five years, growing that from five people to over 500, and having an evaluation of more than 3 billion. Um, and then, at GitLab, I realized very quickly the massive advantages of remote work, um, which led me to to found remote together with my best friend, Marcelo. Hmm. And uh, that's interesting. I, I've heard a lot of people in tech that uh, that started with like neuroscience because I had one guest uh, previously as well that uh, is now a data scientist, but was a neuro actually like studied neuroscience. What 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 drew you to to do neuroscience in the first place? I uh, I sort of randomly chose to study psychology at university. And uh, there I specialized in neuropsychology after realizing that the methods of most psychological research were kind of poor. And they were, I, fe I felt like I was always looking at like a derivative of, of reality. And reality is, you know, the deterministic thing that happens in the brain. Um, so that led me to, to study neuropsychology and then later do a master in, in cognitive neuroscience. Um, yeah. Sorry, what was your question? Yeah, <laughs> yeah no, I, I, it, 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 there's a reason why you d did that, of course, but also yeah. a reason why uh, why you saw that technology is something that you wanted to get more involved in, right? Uh, and you mentioned that switch. Uh, I was just wondering about why the, the, the study was so so interesting for you. Yeah, I mean, I, I, to me, it's um, I'm a very pragmatic person and mm -hmm. I but I'm, I'm very curious uh, I'm also very skeptical and I felt like there's no better way to understand like how we work and how people work and yeah, why this yeah. is a thing one of the things that I always kept in the back of my mind was that you know if we are able to fully understand the brain maybe we have a chance of being able to replicate that if we're able to replicate the brain you know that, that would be pretty yeah. great you know you could do yeah. all sorts of interesting things with that <laughs> um, so that was a little bit the, the direction that I was I was thinking of and and I worked for a while as a, as a researcher in neuroscience so I worked in a few different mm. labs in in the Netherlands um, and then later in Portugal uh, here is one of the best neuroscience labs in the world at uh, Champalimau, it's called. Um, so I worked there. It was very exciting, actually. I, I love the work. I just I don't love academia, and I don't love the way that academia is structured. Um, and, yeah, and that yeah, was yeah. what what caused me to leave. To leave. Um, I did meet my wife uh, while studying neuroscience, and uh, I never got my PhD, but she she ended up getting her neuroscience PhD. So ah, uh, she got one up on you. <laughs> yeah, she did. She yeah. Totally did. Yeah. Uh, I was uh, I was wondering is is it also something that. Um, uh, what, when you made that switch, is it something that also had? Um, th did you have an advantage on some in some ca cases by just having that kind of background as well? Just, it's just a curious question from from my side. 
I think having a strong scientific background helps you um, make decisions better mm. because you're potentially better aware of how to deconstruct issues. I, not necessarily. So, I, but I, I do think, so if you study psychology, you actually get a really good, uh, typically at most universities, you get a really good base in statistics, which helps mm. you greatly in everything in life. Like you're always being thrown statistics at you and having like very solid understanding of statistics and math in general, um, that goes a very long way. Neuroscience, and especially if you do uh, experimental neuroscience, you have to often just build things from scratch, do something completely yourself, um, build a rig yourself, then program it yourself. Um, you know, that's, I, I'm not necessarily sure if it perfectly translates to everything else in, the, no, in no, tech, no. but it, for sure it, it makes you, it makes you look for, it, you know, you essentially have a blank canvas in front of you and you have to just figure it out and you have to learn, you know, there's no one that's going to tell you when, once you're working in a lab, like, this is how you program or this is how you put together, um, you know, a setup to record specific neurons. Because typically what you're doing is something that almost no one else has been doing or someone did before, but in a very, in a simpler version. So you're trying to improve mm. upon that. Um, I think... Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm a little bit to be honest, I'm a little bit skeptical of about like most university educations nowadays, like the necessity of it, especially if you like become a programmer. Yeah, but there certainly is value in about like learning how to think. And actually, I think the thing that I use most of my entire education is uh, the ability to write. So mm. writing concisely is like absolutely fundamental to become a great scientist, and it's a big differentiator between people especially when remote working but in general in in work being able to write um, yeah, and yeah. yeah i got got drilled in that in university yeah yeah and and kind of constructing your thoughts right to constructing of uh i mean everybody has like thoughts and ideas and stuff like that but actually getting them on paper and knowing how to write them as you said concisely that that's really a superpower i think and also, uh, what you, when I think about it, what you mentioned um, with uh, with the education as well is, uh, I've talked about this a lot on the podcast as well in pre with previous guests, where um, you see that a lot of a lot of the work is is learned on the job, right? It's just uh, by doing, by seeing, by kind of having these real world problems that you want to solve in a technological way or whatever. So I I, I think um, I think it's it's as you said, the statistical part is also interesting because it, it kind of um, diverts you from just trusting your gut, right? Just saying, okay, uh, th this is what I think will happen, <laughs> and instead of uh, looking at like the raw numbers, right? Is this is this thing really working or not, or whatever? Yeah, I think I think being able to go back to first principles is is a very strong one, and sure. and. Yeah. Um, being very skeptic is is another it like it really helps to be very skeptic and and not necessarily follow norms um mm. especially when you're starting your own business and doing your own thing it's like it's it can be annoying but it's also valuable to sometimes doubt whatever is the norm um yeah. be uh, be skeptic towards that and then maybe yeah. try something else uh, it helps a lot in building your own business because you know if you're just going to do what other people do then you know you should not start your own business 
Yeah, yeah, that's that's not that's not where the uniqueness and valuable kind of thing is, right? Where you're on the one hand, you're kind of unique, and you also have something of value. Then you're you're going to succeed. If you don't have that, then it's already harder, right? You need to compete on other things like price yeah. and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, to to get back to to remote because that's the the company uh, you're uh, you you founded and you're working on right now. Um, can you explain what uh, remote uh, tries to provide as a service? Sure. Um, so if you want to employ someone in a different country, which many companies are doing nowadays because uh, there's a huge talent shortage, especially in tech and especially if you look at um, engineering talent, design talent, product management talent. Um, so what companies do is they just employ people remotely and remotely meaning not in the neighborhoods where their office is or where they have an HQ, but sometimes literally anywhere else in the planet. If you do that, uh, you still have to pay those people. And it's easy to do if the person is in the same city or in the same country, um, not even always in the same country, but usually that's relatively easy. But if someone is in a different country, how do you do, deal with that? So what most companies do nowadays is they employ people as contractors. So essentially they say, you work for me for this particular job um, and I'll just pay you money for that. You don't get any benefits and it's not, a, it's not an employment contract. It's a freelance contract, essentially. Yeah. yeah. Um, you can do that, but you can only do that if someone is actually a contractor so that they have other clients, right? Potential other clients. They have their own entity through which they can invoice you um, and they can take care of themselves in that way. However, in most cases, this is about people that are hired as full-time employees. So what most con companies, they just ignore this. Um, but by local legislation in virtually every country in the world, these people should get the benefits that a normal employee of a local company would get. So if you hire someone in the Netherlands, you have to give them like employment benefits and you have to pay social security as a uh, employer, or at least take care of their payroll and um, give them the typical protections that an employee would get. Now, if you are a company, for instance, in the US, like most of our, many of our customers, um, and you want to do this, and you, so you want to employ someone in the Netherlands, and you don't want to hire them as a contractor, which you are not allowed to because they are a real employee. That's that's really hard. Like, where do you even start? And what most companies do is they they give up. Like, so they they either don't hire people there, or they decide, well, we're going to offer them an employment contract. But it's that's risky. It's risky for both the employee, but also for the employer, because if you are acting as an employer in a country, you have to uh, follow the law, the rule of law there. So. The only thing you can do essentially is to start your own entity. And that's very expensive, very complex. And now you have to manage that forever. You have to pay taxes in the same country where you are. Um, so at remote, what we do is we solve this problem. And the way we solve it is that we act as an employer of records in every country in the world. At least that's the intent. Um, so that if you are an employer, and let's say that you are in the US, uh, you have a US company, you want to employ someone in the Netherlands, you come to us. You say, I want to employ Jane and I want to pay this much. Then you sign a contract with us. Jane signs a contract with remote, the Dutch version of remote. So we have an entity there. And then from that moment forward, we take care of payroll. We take care of all the needs of compliance. Uh, we take care of benefits. And we just, you, the employer, we present you with an invoice every month, which we actually, we deduct the money from your account automatically. 
And to Jane, that you hired, for her, she gets everything that you would expect from a normal Dutch employer. So she gets a normal payslip, she gets the normal benefits that you would typically expect, um, and whatever else you want to offer as an employer. And so we take care of the bureaucratic complexities, we take care of the need of having to have an entity. Um, and if there's anything related to compliance, we let you know what it is that you need to do, or we just take care of it. So you can hire someone completely legally in any country in the world, you don't have to worry about the overhead. And actually, we make it a lot easier than employing people even locally because we take care of everything. You just need to have mm -hmm. money and then take care of the employee themselves. <laughs> yeah, of course. So basically, what what you're saying is, okay, we're going to employ the employee for you in the yep. in that particular country, and then uh, when whatever company wants to have that employee as an employee uh, they're basically hiring them and they will work for them like maybe full-time or whatever they they want so how how um is is that uh, is it always on a full-time basis or is it also some kind of part-time or whatever our almost all our customers it's it's always full-time um, I think yeah, yeah. these are these positions, right? Like these high demand positions are typically full time. For part for part time positions, it's easier to make a case that you can have someone working as a contractor. So it's imaginable okay. that that might be preferable. For us, it doesn't really matter. Um, but we do prefer to work with um, full time employment. It's it's easier for us yeah. to manage so the complexity is low. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, I mean, it's for the for the employee, it's uh, it's also better because they just know, okay, I'm just going to work full time for this one client on this one project and that's it and then you can also start about thinking about how are you going to integrate that person in the company as well which they are working for well that's, that's also a big yeah thing, that's I exactly think. the point the point is that for them for the employee not to think of of the you the, the employer as a client you're just their employer and that's exactly the mm -hmm. point um, because we want to get away from the because what 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 inadvertently happens is that if you have employees locally and you hire someone in another country is that there's going to be a difference between them right even if it's just a yep. perceived difference because one has more benefits or better benefits or a different kind of employment status what we want to do is we want to just allow you to employ people anywhere so that they are real employees and that you can yeah in every sense of the way and like remote is only there to take care of payroll essentially so we're just a service provider to your company you know on paper we're a little bit more but in all other ways, we're just another service provider and you just have an employee. Yeah. So how does the process go? So say, for instance, I'm a company that's interested in your services. I want to have, I don't know, a developer. Uh, let, let's say just the, the easiest, uh, maybe the easiest example, because developers are scarce at the moment. Uh, so I want to have a developer. How? What kind of process do I go at, through as a client? So you find the developer. We don't do that for you. We can, we can point you in the right direction. But if you are a company that employs someone remotely, it's going to be easy to find someone. There, the demand for remote work is higher uh, than, than the supply of remote work. So you can put a job. We have a, we have a job board, so you could put a job there. But you can just tweet about it, and you'll get enough retweets and uh, people following that so that you get a whole bunch of applicants. Once you found someone or a few people, you come to us and you say, I want to employ these people. Um, this is how much I want to pay them. You sign a contract with remote and we make sure that they sign a contract with us, taking all the information and that's it. You connect your bank account and from that moment forward, you, that person is employed or from whichever day you want it to be started. Um, and from that moment forward, 
payroll will run every month. We'll we'll take care of that. Mm. You just have to treat them as another employee. Yeah, and how how does how do you actually cal- calculate the cost? Because uh, I can imagine that, uh, for example, say for instance, someone is working full time, forty hours a week, uh, but they also have like things like, uh, uh, well, uh, maybe longer hours because they need to finish a project or whatever. How how, do, how does that go? So the employment contracts that we work with are standard forty hour contracts. So, and we assume that. Um, that is sufficient and we don't do anything special related to over hours. If you want to offer something like that, that's of course something we would look into, but it's just a normal employment contract. And this, what is normal that varies country by country. So they are actually Mm -hmm. specific to each country. Um, But generally we try to offer the same um, or approximately the same benefits to, to everybody in every country. Um, And that means that you just have to pay the salary and whatever the dues that the, the government demands. And then over that, we charge a fee. So we charge a fee of 10% of the total cost of employment in most countries. Some it's a little bit higher because the liability for us is significantly higher. But um, okay. in most countries, we aim at around 10%. Uh, and it's just charged to you on a month-by-month basis uh, together with the rest of the mm. payroll. And the, the the kind of employment contracts that you have, are, are those always in a specific like length so for, for example is it always a year or half a year or how, how does that go it depends uh, again some countries they demand that you do a particular thing um mm-hmm. for instance in in some countries like in the netherlands if, if you did after several contracts of certain length uh you have to yeah. give someone a permanent contract so we do um we the thing is that we can't be sneaky about anything. Like we have to do everything perfectly. Sure, yeah. So we just follow the local law. Typically the employment contracts are like a year or 18 months. The way we work is that uh, in our, the contracts, they have um, a trial period, for example. And again, these things vary country by country because you have to uh, follow local legislation uh, in that sense. So, yeah. but they are as simple and as straightforward contracts as we can make them. So that it becomes easy to to deal with that for both the employee, so that they understand what they're actually signing up for, um, as well as for us, because we are the employer record, as well as for you, for the employer. And then, you know, if you do particular things within your organization, not everything has to be in the contract, right? So if you say, yeah. well, you know, I want to give people more time off, I don't want them to work 40 hours, but I only want them to work 30 hours, um, it's usually easiest to just give someone a a 40 hour contract and then uh, treat it internally. For example, I wouldn't know what else you would want to do. Yeah, of course. I mean, uh, it makes total sense to to do that because the, the only thing I'm thinking about is that um, for you, for example, stay for say for instance, as you you mentioned, like the the fee, like the ten percent fee, that can be different from country to country. I can imagine that your liability is a little bit higher if you are hiring in a country that you're not involved in right now, but you need to set it up because there is one. A particular employee or whatever that that is in that country say, say for instance i don't know just a random country in the world uh let's say nigeria or something like that like africa but it doesn't matter but uh say for instance you need to to set that up there because there's one uh client of yours that wants to have one employee there how, how does that go how how is that viable for you then it's not um, yeah. And we don't do that. We don't do that for many reasons. So our long-term goal is to be in every country in the world. Um, mm. There's 193 countries. 
it's going to be very difficult to do that. Uh, to give you an idea, the App Store, the Apple App Store is only in 150 countries. So like, <laughs> I think that's like, that's really yeah, the that's ceiling. Be hard. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah, really yeah. the ceiling of where we, where we can get. Uh, but in theory, you want to be in every country in the world. Um, to be able for us to be active in a country, it takes us several months and, at, you know, close to $100,000, if not more. So yeah. it's not worth it to do it for. So if you come to me and say, I want to hire someone in Nigeria. Oh, by the way, Nigeria has amazing tech talent. So we're going to go yeah. there either way. That's but, what I'm saying, yeah. Um, but like, if you say to us, I want to hire someone in this particular country, and that is the moment for us to start working on it, I mean, it might take us six months. Uh, so mm -hmm. like, that is not the way we work. We do let demand guide us. So we have a public page on our website. It's just remote.com slash countries, where all the countries are listed. Uh, and then we get feedback there on where people say, oh, I would love it if you would support this. But generally, we have a, we have a good idea of where we want to go. Like, we want to cover all of Europe because it's it's where most of us are now today. And um, it's uh, within reach. The countries are relatively easy to work with. Um, but now what we saw is we've got a lot of demand for South America. So that's something that we're looking to do in the next quarter, mm -hmm. so in Q2 this year. And we'll go from there. Uh, but we can't really predict well how long it will take us first to be active in any country. I think we've never did less than two months. Uh, there's all sorts of interesting and very strange problems you run, run into. The Netherlands, where we have two entities, we have a holding and, um, and just a, a main entity. It was relatively easy to set up at first, but then opening a bank account was a huge hassle. It required us to go there several times, yeah. even if, yeah. if only to like un unlock, get a security code or to unlock something else. Um, like I, I'm, I'm in the process of moving to the Netherlands, so uh, it, it was not too hard. I, but if that wasn't the case, it would probably be near impossible. Um, whereas other countries, um, it's much easier. The UK has been very easy. It just takes a long time. Yeah, that's the thing. Yeah, it's it's usually just the paperwork and stuff like that. That's that's taking the most time, right? It's always like that. <laughs> yeah, I think I think uh, actually for us, the thing that takes the most time is figuring out whether we can conduct our business in that country in the way that we wanted yeah. to and figure out yeah. um, what are local labor laws? What are the things that we have to take account? How do we run payroll here? And those things take a lot of time. So every country yeah. that we work in, we have to find attorneys to work with us and we have to find accountants to work with us. Uh, so that, that is where the real time and money goes towards. Yeah, that, that know the local law and know how the tax should be, should be paid and stuff like that. That's the, that's the thing, right? Yeah. Um, so what I've what I've noticed uh, at least uh, a lot of companies are still not doing remote work, right? They're still uh, really focused on having people on site and stuff like that. Um, yeah. If you if you well, you don't have to convince anyone to do it, but if if you're like in a discussion with someone that is thinking about doing this, what are some some of the things that you kind of say as advantages to to doing uh, to having someone remotely? I mean, I think there's two sides, right, to remote work. There's mm -hmm. the employer side and there's the employee side. For the employee, the benefits are, are obvious. You don't have to commute. If you do want to work somewhere else, like in a co-working space, that's fine and you can do that. Um, but you don't have to commute, so you get many hours back in a week. Uh, mm. The amount of time that you win is incredible. It's... Um, remote work is typically paired with more flexible hours, so you don't have to work between nine and five, but you can work whenever you want, or at least significantly more flexible. So you can actually go to the gym in the middle of the day when no one else is going. Or more importantly, if, you're sick, if your child gets sick, you can just pick them up from school. 
you know, it's it's those kind of things. And those things can be big and they can be small. Um, you can, you know, travel the world if you want. But actually, what I find best is just being able to, you know, spend time with my daughter and every day have lunch with my wife. Like, we can go out for lunch every single day and it just works. As long as I'm not recording podcasts like today. But <laughs> <laughs> so for, I, think, I think for the individual and for the employee, the benefits are, are massive. And one thing, I was working at GitLab, I would interview people to to work for us, um, and they we would make them an offer, and the offer would often be the same money as they would earn today, or you know sometimes even a little bit less if we didn't know. And they and they would often say, "Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna earn less, but I'm gonna take it because I'm gonna move out of San Francisco and I'm gonna live where the rest of my family Somewhere lives, else. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, or where my friends live, or you know, so I'm gonna move back with with my partner where you know." Like, it, I think that's an incredible advantage, um, inc mm. massive, incredible advantage. So for the employer side, it's it's basically the same. Like you, rather than having to have an office, which is expensive, and managing all of that, which is a time, a huge waste of time, you can just not do all of that and spend your time uh, focused on more important things like establishing good documentation practices and making sure you can do your work asynchronously. And if you do that, you become on one end more efficient. And on another hand, it becomes much easier to uh, retain people because they don't have to live in a particular location. They're not locked to a particular location. Uh, and it becomes easier to find people uh, because you can literally hire anyone. And if you want to restrict yourself to a particular time zone or a particular country, that's fine. Like your talent pool is always bigger than whoever is willing to commute to your office, right? Like I worked yeah, yeah. for a while at a company in Den Haag in the Netherlands and I had to commute for an hour and a half there. <laughs> like I was yeah, young and yeah, I could I know just, you know, play on my Game Boy in the train and it was okay. But it is like something like that is not doable. Um, no, it's, no. it's, it's it kind of zaps your it zaps your energy levels as well. I mean, if you have to uh, if you have to commute for an hour or wh whatever much you need need to go commute for it, it kind of when you get to work, you're already like, oh man, <laughs> it's like it, it it kind of feels like you've already already been drained, even though you didn't do anything like meaningful in that in that way for for your for your job that you're doing. Yeah, and honestly, I always felt it was incredibly stupid to spend a lot of time going yeah, to, yeah. A, a, to a particular place at a particular time and then stare at your computer all day. Yeah, it's, yeah. Like, it makes I, no sense. I, I never just... made, it never made sense to me as well. <laughs> like, and why uh, would you do that? And like, why isn't yeah. that that time? And why are we all doing it at the same time? Like, it's ridiculous. It's just an arbitrary yeah. decision made by someone. Oh, I want everybody to be in their seats at, at 9 a.m. in the morning. Like, there's no reason mm. that that is good for you. Like that, that, it's just a decision someone made, like, and then yeah, just yeah, ran yeah. with it. Yeah, and you don't have to yeah, do that. I, I, th I feel. Um, I, I want to ask you this question. It's, a, it's a bit of a thing. I mean, why do you still? Why do you think that still a lot of companies are still hesitant of doing this? Right, where, where they're still like, okay, I really need to have someone in the office nine to five, and that's it. Right? Uh, why do you? Th why do you think there is still that hesitance, even though there are a lot of benefits to doing it remote? I think it's trust mostly trust and, and you know being unaware that you can just do these things remotely um, mm -hmm. if you 
those are the two things that I hear. I hear a lot of people say, well, you know, there's all sorts of advantages of being together. And I always think to myself, well, what is the advantage? Like, like, mm -hmm. tell me the advantage. And it, like, it, it always comes down to something like that. It's essentially, oh, we can communicate with each other. But if you were, if you're a remote company, you can communicate just as well, potentially better. <laughs> like, so yeah, like, yeah, yeah, video, like you can share your screen. We have video chat. It all works perfectly. Um, it's definitely different. And it's not to say that there's no value of being together in person, but like to do work, especially work that's on a computer knowledge work. Yeah, there's no real advantage of no. like there's advantage of being present in the same at the same time. So there's something to say about you know making sure that if you have a very distributed team with many different time zones, that people at least have some overlap, right? There is value in that because the back and forth is much shorter and spending time talking with other people is valuable in itself. But you can do those things just fine remotely. So, yeah, um, yeah. I forgot what your question. Yeah, was. there's no, yeah, no. It, it, it's there's a lot of uh, the the hesitance is there. I think as well that it's it's mostly due to trust, right? Uh, a lot of people are like, yeah, if I can't see the person, how can I know that they're doing their job? And I'm like, why do you even think about this, right? Why is yeah. why is this a thing? Because uh, if you're hiring them, you know what their work is. You know what they do as a work. It's not going to be different if they are not in the office, right? That's the, well. That's I the I also think that if you if you need to see someone in person to be able to understand if they're doing a good job, you're just a bad manager. Like everyone's yeah. work should be it should be clear what someone's work is doing and what they're that yeah. they have some sort of output, and you should be able to check that output. Which I I mean, yeah. it, I've never understood it. Like for programmers especially. It's like everything, everything is in a web app. I know that because I used to build one of them and you can see everything, <laughs> like you can see exactly. And if you really care about like measuring things, you can do those, those tools are made for it. But even, even for people that are not like that, like everyone's work is digital and like, you know, the exact output of what everyone is doing. Like if someone doesn't have no. any output, like, or if the output only exists in the real world, then what is it? What is it that those people do? Yeah. <laughs> I, just, like, I honestly can't understand what it would be. So yeah, yeah. I, I I also find that it's just poor management. But you know, I understand. Like there there's a tradition that we build up over two hundred years of being in an office. Right? Like it's ingrained yeah. in every bit of our culture that you go to an office. You know, and maybe nowadays it's not so much as in a suit, but. It's of course that's how it's been for a very long time. But still, you go to an office or you go to a place of work, and so when this new completely new way of working which essentially is don't go to that place in the office just do it from anywhere else i understand that there's some skepticism and that is it needs a bit of a cultural shift but i, I think that yeah. is happening you know you're gonna you now see that there's you know it's, it's, it's slowly we're going up in the hype cycle and at least all the startups are doing it it's a matter of time before slower companies start to do this as well or at least start to yeah. rebrand re working from home like IBM, for instance, has been working from home for many years, basically since its inception. It's just that it it doesn't call itself remote, and it's like it's not a hip company to work at. So um, yeah. it's, it's a matter of time before this becomes bigger and bigger. But even now, if you look at like let's take the big the big four consultancies, right? EY, Deloitte, PwC, they now are slowly moving away from everybody has an office to there's a lot of flex works uh, places. And this is exactly in line with the same trend is that these big companies just become big co-working spaces and there's still value of having a place to work together and coming together somewhere. But they are also recognizing, yeah. well, everybody at this company gets a laptop and they often work from home. 
Yeah, yeah, and that's that's the thing. I, I've I've led like teams that are uh, local and teams that are remote. And uh, one of the things that I've noticed is that um, with the remote team, uh, there there's a lot of things that you can't really do that you can with the lo- lo- local team. The only the only big thing I've noticed in kind of software development and building products and stuff like that is that these kind of whiteboard sessions that you have, right? These kind of whiteboard sessions where everybody's together and you're drawing something out and uh, you're working together like that. Of course, there are some technical, technological uh, things that you could do with that as well. But uh, those are kind of uh, like these rare moments where you're together and kind of trying to t- figure things out and brainstorming and stuff like that. But what, I, what, I've, uh, what I've noticed and what I've done uh, over the years uh, a lot is if, if I need these, these kind of moments, if I'm, for example, looking at the next half year and thinking about, okay, what are we going to build? Uh, what I'll usually do, uh, we have a team in in Serbia. But when, what I'll usually do is go to Serbia and go and spend there, like spend a week there, like spend from my, Monday to Friday, and just have a okay, it, have just a, these discussions, have these kind of whiteboard sessions, have work these kind of things out, right? That 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 works in person, and it's just more efficient in a way uh, because it's 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 you're, easier. You're, Right, I think yeah, I think yeah. that's it because you're used to it. But yeah. like, I would never do that because I I think to travel is a huge waste of my time. Um, I think sure. it's great to be in person with people, right? Like, it's the best way to bond with people is to be together and yeah. go out for dinner and such. But like doing whiteboard session, if you really want to do that, you have a tool called Miro, which is yeah, really big, sure. and you know, so and it's better. Yeah, it's, yeah. It, it does more yeah. than your whiteboard does. So, but yeah, yeah, it, yeah, like there's a lot to say about like on one hand becoming acquainted with existing tools to replace things like that and the other hand the threshold to use those tools right there it's not we're not done with tools and solutions for remote work but we are sufficiently far that it's no longer necessary or necessary advantageous to be in an office together um but there is still a, a threshold and you you know things things can still get better but they will because everybody is doing this so there's a very strong need which is yeah, why yeah. you know there's like 800 different companies now working on better video calling um today zoom is still the best one that's what we want to be used internally but um yeah there's there's 800 companies working on different versions of that or like vertical specific video calling solutions and you know that will only get bigger and better yeah and uh, what you mentioned uh, of course yeah it's just it's not just of course the whiteboard sessions as you said the bonding thing is one, one thing that i've noticed like if you really want to create a team that that feels like it is a team and it's working for you and uh, kind of creating that environment it 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 does help i mean it it's one once in a while uh, i'll do that but it it it's different uh, to to kind of cr- get that bond right if you're as you said going there and having dinner with each other and getting to know people like uh, on on that level that 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 has a tremendous value i think uh, but it, as you said it's not it's not strictly necessary of course yeah. i mean yeah. you sh- you, sh- you don't have to do it um but what i um what i was wondering about so um we talked a little bit about uh, how you see the kind of future and uh, and where where you think you're go- where do you think it's going but um do you feel like this this uh what, what kind of what kind of things do you see in this kind of remote space that are that are actually going to change in the future because okay getting to companies to do it remotely okay that's one of the things that needs to be done but what are some other stuff that that you have noticed also through doing this that are kind of changing where where you're like in a few years this will be radically different than it is right now i think 
if you think about what happens if all companies support remote work, it's not to say that they may, might be all fully distributed or fully remote, or but what it, what happens if every company allows for virtually every position to be done from home or anywhere else? It, it removes the need to be in a particular location. So there's a potential for cities develop very differently right like cities are the point of a city is no longer to get in and out quickly because there's a lot of businesses there but rather it's more of a center of um, other things of uh, mm. enjoyment of shopping or, or getting together and you can imagine that that changes the way that people live or choose to live um, I, I think that is very important i think um, you know, being from the Netherlands, which is a country which is like very pedestrian and person focused, like there's very the ro- in in areas where people live, there the roads tend to be very limited and hard to drive on and very slow. And then out between those hubs, there are some some highways, of course, but most of it is fo- I, you don't see that in the rest of the world yet because for many places, for, for many people, you have to drive to work and then you have to drive back home and it can be an hour or so you don't want to park outside of the city and then have to get in with uh, some other uh, form of transport if all of that is not necessary it can have a massive effect on the way people live and the way people choose to live um also on things like market prices and house prices and um i think the thing that i i'm most interested in and i i founded this company to enable this is like the globalization of a single labor market in the sense that you go from we want to hire the best in the neighborhood or from the other perspective i'm I'm looking for a company in a particular place because i want to live there or vice versa i'm going to live in a certain place because the company i want to work is there you go to well what is the best company that can use my skills right and i, I think that's very interesting i think i think it's it's a very complex thing to think about because right now if you are very skilled you know if you're like in the top three percent or so of whatever profession you 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 do you can do this already you can work for any company in the world and they will pay you a lot of money and they'll give you whatever you want um especially if you're a programmer if how that's going to change if every company does this i think in general companies will be forced to offer better benefits um on average right especially if you like live in a low cost area um which is you know gonna have an impact on the local economies there um so yep you know it's a it's hard to predict what will happen exactly and it depends a lot on to the extent that remote work has an uptake i think there's immense positivity within a remote work little culture that we have on the internet. Um, I'm not sure how fast it is going to go. I, I think it's going to go reasonably fast. I think most companies will support it in, within the next 10 years or so to have remote positions and support remote work in, in some capacity. Um, yeah. But if, it, if this goes really, really far, you, you can imagine that it, 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 it changes distribution of wealth significantly. Or maybe not distribution of wealth, but at least... Uh, quality of incomes um, very yeah, quickly, uh, and it, it it might matter less where you are and where you're from and where you choose to live, um, on and it, it might might have less of an effect on your salary on the kind of job that you do and how successful you are or perceived yeah. are professionally. Yeah, and uh, and one thing that you mentioned uh, in regards to the Netherlands, because I, I'm I'm in the Netherlands at the moment, but uh, you you. Um, what what you see is that uh, when there are days l- like where 
people are kind of forced to work remotely, right? Where, yeah. uh, for example, if they're uh, if if it's snowing, which it doesn't do a lot, but <laughs> <laughs> but you, you see that like if there's a if there's a for example uh, if they're um, if they're demonstrating for kind of a teacher space and stuff like that, where kids need to be home and pe- people need to be home because of their kids, uh, you see that. Um, there's always this this talk about like the traffic problems in the Netherlands and people standing in traffic for hours and hours and hours a day, uh, and then you're like, okay, but you see that when you when you are forced to work remotely, you don't have that problem anymore. Uh, so why not kind of stimulate that, right? Say, okay, you can do more of it because it does solve a real problem. Uh, those, those are kind of the things that that I've seen. Like, uh, it, it's funny, to, and I, I always say, like, okay, but there's your solution, right? Is that the solution is not building more highways <laughs> in a, in a sense. It's just uh, thinking about it a little bit differently than just uh, thinking about okay, people get need to go from A to B because their office is there. I mean, uh, that doesn't make sense at all. Yeah. Um, what? Uh, I have one more question before we wrap up. Uh, last question I always ask. Uh, so. Uh, you started this journey with with remote, and uh, uh, you're uh, you're doing pretty well. Um, uh, what what are you most proud of since you started? Uh, the team that we built. It's an easy question. Mm. Uh, it's yeah. uh, incredibly proud of the team we built. We hired. We started by hiring people that we knew from. We worked with them before, um, but that grew quite a bit. And. They're all just fantastic people. It's uh, it's it's what makes makes this all po- possible, and I'm very proud of that. And I I think the team is proud of itself and the work that they do. Um, so yeah, that's that's a pretty pretty easy one. Uh, very cool, very cool, very cool. How can uh, how could people find you on the internet? And you have a podcast as well, so don't forget to plug that as well. <laughs> yeah, uh, you can find me uh, on Twitter uh, at jobvo. J O B V O, um, and um, yeah, I have a remote work podcast in my podcast, but I only ever did eight episodes. <laughs> oh man, come on! <laughs> <laughs> so I, I have a lot to get off with you, uh, but uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. No, I, I'm, I'm, you, you can find me easily there. Uh, you can also email me yeah. at remote.com Okay, and of course, you can find more information about the remote on remote.com, uh, yeah, which is a yeah. very, very good domain name. <laughs> yes, yes. Very good. Um, thank you. Thanks a lot, uh, Job, for, for your time today. Uh, and of course, for the listeners, uh, you can find the Bits vs. Byte podcast on bitsvsbytes.com and on all major podcasting platforms. And uh, if you haven't subscribed yet, there's a newsletter with uh, five things about business, technology, and leadership. It will be sent to you every Friday, uh, every two weeks on Friday. Uh, and you can find that on bitsvsbytes.com slash newsletter. And I'd like to thank you for listening. And until next time.